0: Hello everyone, welcome to the One Flesh Podcast. My name is Hoss Rauscher. The One Flesh Podcast is all about marriage, the essential union between man and woman. Uh, My goal is to help young men find a girlfriend, build a marriage worth having. Uh, We do that by typically having conversations. I pick a topic and I talk about it, um, talk about my marriage, talk about uh, people that I know, experiences that I've had with other people. I talk with uh, guests sometimes when we have guests on. Uh, We discuss marital topics, uh, how to create that marriage and how to maintain it. Uh, We also have the Purpose Podcast, uh, the Sunday series of the Purpose Podcast, where we talk about uh, finding and fulfilling your purpose. Uh, The goal is to have guests on to talk to y'all. I think I'm a pretty cool guy, but I know I don't have all the answers, uh, and I definitely don't want to act like I do. So the goal is to get cool guests on to come and share their experiences, uh, guys that are good at what they do, uh, good at what they're going to be talking about, and have good experiences. Uh, On the Purpose Podcast, you will be getting a guest this weekend. I'm very excited about that uh he's a really cool guest i really cool uh, really enjoyed talking to him um he is from orion concepts so y'all have heard of otg orion training group um he runs the orion concepts page uh which is the uh the meme how do you, how do you say it the meme force of orion training group uh it's it's very funny but uh he runs the meme page and he's actually a really cool dude uh, he's anonymous, uh, so that it, you know, kind of protects his mission and you'll hear about that. We talk about his, uh, anonymity on the episode this Sunday, um, and why he does that and the advantages of that, you know, some of the disadvantages of it, uh, some of the dangers of doing that, but he's anonymous, but, uh, nonetheless, he has a lot of good things to say. I uh, had a lot of good recommendations from people that I trust. Uh, so really excited to, to have him on tune in on tune in on Sunday for that. Um, today we're going to, uh, it's going to be a solo episode. Um, like I said, guys, I know I try to get some guests on for one flesh. Uh, it's, it's difficult cause I want to make sure that you're getting good information. Uh, at the very least, you know, not to say that my information is just always right or, uh, or correct. Um, uh, but, uh, I can stand behind my information a lot better than I can stand behind somebody else's information. Uh, so, um, I want to make sure that, uh you're getting either good information or my information that I'm willing to stand behind. So that's kind of the idea. Um today I guess we'll do a little bit of a, a baby update. People have been liking those. We bought paint for the nursery. I don't know if we had bought paint last time. I think we had. Um but we bought paint for the nursery. Not much progress uh made on that yet. I think we're waiting on uh some people around us that may want to help paint, um, waiting on me to probably get in gear as well, uh, and go help paint that. Um we'll get it painted. We're going to go with like a, a tan and some greens and stuff like that. It's going to be very uh, hunting slash foresty type of uh type of vibe and uh, really enjoying it. Everybody is uh, kind of astounded at the fact that we're going to be waiting. We are still getting uh, all the, uh, all the unsolicited advice, which everybody knows I'm a big fan of unsolicited advice. Just uh, I'm a big fan of unsolicited advice, the correct way. And <laughs> so uh, it's just very funny hearing people and man, I don't want to. I guess this can go one flesh and maybe I'm just gonna rant a little bit. But um, the way that some people are just so miserable with their kids, uh, and you know it's not just their kids. The, the the people that I'm talking about, um, they tend to be miserable about just just about everything. Um, but I don't know. They just they seem so miserable, and I'm sorry. But if you're, when when it has to do anything with with uh with with kids and and wife and all of that stuff and your reply is just that it sucks and there's no other way for it not to suck um i just i just have serious questions about what you're doing uh and and what you're trying to achieve with that with that relationship and with that dynamic um i've heard a little bit of that as you know some some big doomer doomer d-o-o-m-e-r doomer vibes uh on a lot of the uh a lot of the kids stuff lately and I just don't like it. I mean, I hate always hated it with marriage when they say, "Oh, you know, once you get married, you're never going to have sex ever again and you're uh you're always going to be angry and all that stuff." And like it just ruins your friend your friend's life and uh forget all your hobbies and forget having money. It's it's like the same way with kids and I just don't get it. I just don't get it. It's it's to me it's almost like a uh really I think the reason I have an issue with it is because it feels like people are blaming their kids for something that they have full control over um you know i have a lot of respect for people that uh, put their kids into a lot of uh a lot of sports and to put a lot of effort into their kids sports i have a lot of respect for that but let's not act like that's not a choice um you know and if you're from work or you know me this, don't take this any of this personally i, I know a lot of people uh, it's not to say that really any of them like me but I know a lot of people. So if you think this applies to you, chances are it probably doesn't. Um, but, you know, it's like kids sports. I've heard it all my life, honestly. Um, all my life, you know, and I will say that that's something that I don't think my parents ever really did. If they did, I never noticed it, but it was like, blame us for all the sports that we're doing. You know, you hear all oh, softball 24-7 and and, uh, and football all the time and soccer and this and that. And they just, they sound like they're blaming their kids uh, for being a part of a lot of sports or A lot of this and a lot of that like they don't have control over that and that's that just irritates me i mean y'all know i i used to not be this way but i'm a big ownership guy you know i i'm a big fan of jocko i'm big fan of taking ownership of things uh and and doing every controlling everything that you can control before you look outwards uh into the world i haven't always had that mentality uh but i do now and it's like it's just nails on a chalkboard to hear somebody not take responsibility uh, for some of the situation they're in. Not to say that I don't still do that, I'm sure I do. I'm sure I complain to uh, people like Brett or my wife or uh, my buddy Cade, and I'm sure it may sound like that to them, that I'm not taking ownership of that, uh, willing to admit that there's a very good possibility that that's the case. I just don't know how other people can do it. Um, not other people, but I, I I have a hard time listening to people do it, and I don't know how other people listen to it. Um, it, it it's tough and i've heard a lot of that you know mixed into some of the unsolicited advice uh that that i get um and i'll i'll say this if you're listening to me and you know me personally uh, in a different context don't let me do this when i have a kid don't let me like complain about things that are in my complete control um please don't let me do that cuz it's it's been frustrating just just hearing some of those things and i know i may sound holier than thou but I, I'm really not. I mean, I know I do it. I know I do it. And I do my best to catch myself on it. Um, you know, I'll say this, I'll say this multiple times to, to multiple people that will back me up on this, that I'll start in complaining about something. And then I'll quickly, quickly back that up. Um, When I say back that up, not with like evidence, but I'll backtrack on that. I'll start complaining about something. And I'm like, well, you know, man, I should probably not really be probably being a little bit of a jerk about that. Let me, let me back that up a couple steps. I could have done a lot more to help this situation or like, I just, I try to, it's, it's a mindset thing. And when you're in that mindset, like I said, it sounds like, sounds like nails on a chalkboard to hear other people not do that. Uh, and people do that with their kids quite often. And it's, it's really frustrating. Um, it just, it it really is. And so that's something I've been kind of going through lately is just all the unsolicited, like negative advice, uh, and I hate even condemning any sort of unsolicited advice because I've been such an advocate for it. And I am, I think if you, and here's, here's the deal. I I think that your, your unsolicited advice needs to be truly to the benefit of somebody else, uh, not to like complain or, you know, they they may think that they're giving me the benefit. And I always look at it in that context. They say, Hey, uh, you're not going to enjoy, uh, you're not going to enjoy this. I don't want to, say anything specific but you're not gonna enjoy this for at least you know two two you know eight months you you won't be able to that's one that everybody's you're not gonna be able to sleep for eight months and it's like well thanks for that I guess you know like maybe they're trying to prepare me um uh, like tell me how to figure it out I guess you know like if if you have a helpful tip let me know that um uh, maybe they're just trying to relate to me like I said maybe they're trying to warn me I don't know um but it's just like get ready to never sleep it's like okay (laughs) well um was could you exercise any control over the amount that you slept i mean i get it there's a kid i'm not ignorant to the fact that there's a kid that's crying and it's hard to sleep when the kid is crying i just i don't know i don't get it like did you try to work shifts did you have anybody help i don't know i don't know i don't understand um maybe i'll understand maybe i'll come crawling back to the microphone uh in march and you'll hear the baby in the background and i'll be like i haven't slept for 18 hours you know like maybe that's maybe that's how it's gonna go i just feel like i feel like people have more control over their circumstances than what they might think that they do uh and it's been it's been frustrating to listen to some of that uh over the past couple weeks you know the the lack of ownership especially when it comes to their children i've heard it in the marriage and it's it, it i i get it in the marriage like i it's it's nothing new but now that I have a kid, just the complete lack of ownership when it comes to some of those those kid things. Like, I, I fully mean it. Uh, I fully mean it. I will not let my kids overrun my marriage. I refuse. Um, I absolutely refuse. Uh, I, I think that um, kids have, and a lot of people will use this in defense of not having children, uh, but I think that kids uh, can ruin some marriages. I don't, well, let me, let me back that up. I don't think the kids are what ruin the marriage. I don't think there's any situation where the kids, you know, nefariously ruin the the marriage or having the child is what ruins the marriage. I think that when parents um let the kid take over the marriage, uh that's that's what ruins it. When they don't do date night anymore or uh they no longer care about their nutrition because they've got a, you know, a kids or you know, they want to let their kids eat the snacks. They can't tell their kids no on the snacks so they end up, you know, uh eating all the Oreos or they, uh, what, what really I think kills a lot, not kills, but that's a strong word, but really affects a lot of people is just letting the kids dominate the day. Uh, as far as time goes, um, you know, you want to give your kids the most opportunities that you can. You want to be there for your kids. You want to participate in your kids activities, but, um, I mean, making it 100% solely having to be there for the kids from, you know, five o'clock in the morning to nine to o'clock in the evening uh, that's, that does, it's not a formula for success because you still have to maintain, you still have to maintain that substructure for the child. Uh, yeah. If, if if you're getting the child to, uh, select league football or baseball or softball or soccer, please don't ever take your kid to soccer. No. Um, but if you're getting into any of these sports or dance or ballet or whatever, uh, and you're just constantly hammering it and you never have time to maintain that substructure that that allows them to do that eventually it'll falter i mean your kids i've seen this happen um your kids perform a lot less good uh you know at football when your their parents are going through a divorce or uh when dad you know i don't think dad's ever lost his job for kids football but maybe he has um maybe the business isn't doing too hot or uh maybe you're there for football practice but uh, you're not there on Saturdays when he just wants to hang out with you or, you know, game time, or, um, you're not there on Friday nights or something like that, what, whatever it may be. I understand priorities get tight and I understand when you're adding two people, you know, two anywhere from two to three kids, that's two to three more people of time that you have to account for. Uh, just don't let it, I, I'm going to hell or high water, not let it overrun my marriage and that substructure that allows them to do those things. I truly believe that being a fit healthy um a fit healthy parent uh with good financial standing uh a fit healthy parent with good financial standing in a, in, a, in an excellent marriage uh I truly believe that that's what you can really give your kid for success not all the all the you know all the sports all the uh all the extracurriculars the you know the sports the uh the clubs the all all of that stuff um, yeah, it will help your kid and it's good experience and stuff like that. But if you really want to make your kid successful, uh, give them a, a, a home with a good marriage, um, healthy foods, uh, gives them a fit dad that wants to go and do things, uh, with them. Uh, and, and to be honest, if you really like, if you, if you really want them to, to excel at something, uh, playing five different sports, isn't always the way to get there. There are some people that, you know, play baseball and, you know, you can be like Kyler Murray, and when he goes to the NFL, he has a sitting MLB offer. Very few – I think very few people do that. Um, to me, it seems a lot more logical to be like, hey, uh, try a couple of these things. Try one thing a year to, to – maybe you ruin two sports a year, one that they've done for a while and one that they're trying, and then they pick between those two. Um, you don't want to bounce around, but uh, instead of playing three sports at one time or three sports a year – invest your time into like getting really good at that one sport. Maybe you do a fall softball league instead of, of, uh, you know, a fall baseball league or a, uh, what am I thinking? Yeah. Fall baseball instead of basketball or fall baseball instead of football or, you know, do jujitsu instead of the rest of it. Um, whatever it might be, uh, let them exercise in, in that one realm. Uh, and to me that that's going to make things more successful. You know, again, I may come crawling back to you in five years when my kid wants to play all this, all the sports every single sport there is and they want to do uh, you know, Boy Scouts or or uh dance or whatever it might be. Um, have no clue what I'm having, whatever their sport of choice is, uh, cheerleading, whatever it might be, maybe I'll just crumble and cave and you may hear me in, in ten years when I've still got the podcast saying, Oh yeah, by the way, uh let your kids do all of these sports and try all of them and and sacrifice uh you know everything that you have for for these extracurriculars. I don't think that's gonna be the way it's gonna go. I really don't because again, I, I, I truly believe that the value that you can provide those kids uh, requires more time, uh, more time and more attention than than what you're able to give them if they're running around to, to three different sports and, and doing all of those things. I don't know, call me wrong, call me crazy. Um, I just hear a lot of that and it's not just one person. It's really not, I've seen it all of my life. Uh, I've heard it from almost everybody that I've talked to that has kids. So there's a good chance that I'm just wrong. <laughs> there's a good chance that I'm just wrong because a lot of people say that, uh, and I'm a I'm a big fan of you know rejecting modernity and embracing tradition. Uh, if if they tell me that's the way it's been for years, and and there's a bunch of people that do it that way, um, maybe it's just extremely arrogant of me to think that I'm going to be the one guy to do it different and to be sec- successful about it, but. Also, sometimes that's what it takes is being the one guy uh, to do it different and to do it successfully. So, um, I, yeah, I don't know. A bunch of question marks. Really, really the goal is to be able to have that time back to be able to, you know, invest in them when when I am to that age. You know, if they do, let's say I have three kids and they all do two sports, um, that's a lot of time throughout the day. And hopefully I've got businesses built up. Uh, I've got my income built up. I've got my savings built up hopefully I've got the means to be able to buy a lot of my time back, uh, and to participate in those sports. You know, it's, it'll be nothing to get them to three different practices in a day and get my workouts in and have time with DLN, uh, and do all of those things. You know, hopefully by that time I have that, but that's not always possible. And so you have to, you have to have priorities set. Um, and those priorities to me have to flow down, uh, to your children as well. And, you know, unfortunately you should you shouldn't make mom and dad's marriage a priority for your kids but understand that it is a priority for your kids um it's a necessity for them now they shouldn't go every day thinking about am i going to ruin mom and dad's marriage that's not what i'm saying what i'm saying is you have to keep in your mind that their priorities are not you know faith and baseball like you know faith should be number one for your children but then a lot of people next they put sports or you know they put school in there like you know uh, church and then school like for their kids as far as what is what is good and what is necessary for their kids i believe that's wrong you know it's faith and then mom and dad's marriage is like right there as far as what is going to make this kid successful happy and healthy you can't put mom and dad's marriage you know way down well as long as he's got it straight a's and as long as he's doing good in football mom and dad can get divorced and he's still going to be okay absolutely not uh studies don't show that Lies, damn lies, and statistics. They are all of the statistics, uh, show that if mom and daddy get divorced, uh, he's got a worse chance of success. So, marriage needs to stay up there. Your health and fitness needs to stay up there. Um, I could pull you up all the studies you want to see. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to throw studies at you because I hate statistics, but just common sense even says that having a fit and healthy dad is going to create a fit and healthy son a lot of times, or at least have good and healthy habits. All right. Um, I've seen it. We know this is true. Uh, so I did, I did say before I started ranting that I was going to rant, but that's the, that's my baby report for the day is that I've been hearing a lot of negativity and I don't necessarily like it. Um, I'm okay with negativity. I'm okay with warnings. Uh, if people are, if people are taking ownership of the issues, um, I really dislike negativity when there's a lack of ownership. Um, and it's, it's hard to hold my tongue on a lot of that. It just, it just, it really is. I just have to internalize it and then, uh, sit down and yell at a microphone and post it on the internet for all those people to hear passive aggressively. That's kind of what I have to do to deal with it. So, um, anyway, onto the, the actual topic of the day, um, (laughs) uh, onto the actual topic of the day, we're going to talk about creating a culture of accountability in your marriage. Um, it's something that, you know, like many things in my marriage, it's, it's hard to quantify because I don't want to, you know, we can give it all to the Lord and say that he's, he's made us really lucky and he has, and he's given me a great wife and he's given me a great marriage and he's given me all the tools for success. Um, and you know, we had to, we still had to put in that work. Um, you know, the work that Dion and I have put in, uh, to the marriage has been be- very beneficial. We were given the tools to do so. Uh, you know, somehow we found our way even without, you know, reading and, Uh, Reading the Bible and and being a part of these Sunday schools and stuff like that We were still able to to foster something really really good and to do that work Um, And it was uh, it's paid off dividends and you know, I talk a lot about setting up standards uh, Setting standards in your marriage I'll do just a general caveat that you all have known you all know that you all have heard Um, Make sure you you know this, and I say ad nauseum. Um, make sure that you're setting your own standards first. <laughs> I don't know how many times I can say it because my my worry is, and nobody's ever confronted me about the Very few people have confronted me about this, and but my worry is that everybody thinks that I just hold my wife to some sort of like standard that. You know, never be upheld, or you know, I tell my wife you have to be perfect in these, 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 and areas. You um, know, these areas, in this way, in this way, in this way, in this way, you must be perfect. This is my standard decreed to you. Um, that's not correct, and that's not at all what I'm saying. What I'm trying to say is that it is the most loving thing you can do to hold somebody to a to a high standard, a standard that is difficult to achieve, a standard that's going to take work. A standard that increases, uh, that that increases in its what am I trying to say, uh, standardness. Um, it's it, it's 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 ever increasing. You're always uh making new goals. You're always striving to to hit new levels for the standard. Uh, and and a standard that's reasonable. Um, but it's also the most loving thing that you can do, and a prerequisite for being able to hold somebody else to a standard. As long as if you're holding your, yourself to a standard. Sorry, my words are really not working today. Uh, You have to have a standard for yourself, and you have to hold that standard for yourself before you can hold anybody else to it. It doesn't work like that, okay? I've seen it happen. I've had a lot of personal run-ins with it of, this is my standard for you, but it's not the one I hold for myself. It doesn't work. I've said it a thousand times. Um, I have to caveat it on every episode because I'm scared. Uh, I'm really terrified that people are not going, not terrified, it's uh, hyperbole, but um, I'm worried that people are not going to understand. That's what I'm saying. You have to hold this standard for yourself before you can hold it to other people. And as a matter of fact, um, the reason I believe that you hold other people to this standard is is because you should treat other people how you want to be treated. Uh, or, you know, the silver rule uh, from, you know, Skin in the Game, I wish I could find it. It's actually right here, is don't treat people how you don't want to be treated. Yeah, it's right here. Uh, golden rule let's see yeah this is uh do not treat i actually turned it right there like i grabbed it for the first one that's crazy uh do not treat others the way you would not like them to treat you uh more robust how why is a silver more silver rule more robust so don't treat other people um the way you would not want them to treat you Uh, i wouldn't want somebody to see me lacking in my standards and not say something Okay. I, that is so frustrating. And it's probably the most, you know, a lot of people talk about the arrogance of holding yourself to like a higher standard, you, you know, the arrogance of, of thinking that you could possibly hold yourself to this higher standard, thinking that you could be above, above average and in, in any sort of way and making that your standard. A lot of people think that that's arrogance. What's really arrogant is not wanting somebody to critique your current standard. What's really arrogant is, is not wanting somebody to say, Hey, I think you're missing a standard right here. This is what I see. This is how I think it could help you. And uh this is this is just what I see. And I think you should know. To say, man, I don't like it when people do that. I just want to live my life the way I want to live it. To me, that's real arrogance. That's that's like real arrogance. It's not the guy that goes out there and says, Oh, uh, for me and my household, um, we will do the dishes every single day. A lot of people think that it's just kind of like an arrogant thing to like, do you think you're better than everybody else that doesn't do their dishes? Um, no, I don't think I'm better than everybody else. I just think I'm willing to hold the standard <laughs> to that, <laughs> to that level. I think I'm willing to do that. I don't think I'm better than everybody else. I think I'm just willing to hold the standard. Uh, what's really arrogant is when somebody comes into your house and they say, man, I, I really got to tell you, you know, your your dishes are kind of rough. You haven't done them in three days. Like, are you, are you okay? Um, if somebody comes in my house and they legitimately see, now the dishes are kind of, it's a trivial topic that probably shouldn't be mentioned. But if somebody comes in there and they see like, for example, if somebody came into my guest bathroom or something like that and there was mold that I hadn't noticed and they just don't say anything, um, I'm going to be upset. Like if I found out that you knew and you didn't say anything because you thought it would offend me because it like is being dirty or something like that. Um, like, I don't want that for people. I'm not going to be upset with you, but um, I don't want other people to to hold their tongue around me when they see something legitimately concerning. Okay, that's that's the silver rule. And on the other hand of that, and you can read skin of the game as to why it seems like the same thing, it's really not. I'm not smart enough to understand it, but um it's the same thing for the golden rule. I want somebody to tell me that. If my breath stinks, I want somebody to tell me, please dear god, do not let me go into public with stinky breath. Why would you do that to somebody? I I don't understand why you would do that to somebody. I actually, I do understand because it's hard to tell them. It's very hard to tell them because you're worried that they might be offended and they might be the type of person to get offended. Um, But it's just, it's, it's wrong. Um, It's wrong to let somebody fail like that, unless they're the type of person that is just determined to fail. If you try, and I'll give you this, if you tried a few ways to, to, to help that person, they're just not receptive to it. Well, then we have to look at the best way to help them is just to provide an example. Um, but at the very least, you should make every effort you can to help them uh, and and to say something and to speak the truth uh, when you have it. I read something in uh, 12 Rules for Life that said um, not, not telling the truth and telling a lie uh, is a difference in magnitude, not kind. Or a difference in, I think that's what it is. Uh, it's a difference in magnitude or a difference in order, not a difference in kind. So basically what that's saying is lying and telling the truth is of the same kind of, of of I guess transgression maybe or uh the same type of uh, uh sin is a bad word, crime maybe, I don't know. Um it's it's the same type of bad, it's just different orders of magnitude. Okay. It it would it would be bad if my buddy had bad breath and I just didn't say anything about it. It would be even worse if he asked me and I said no. Um I, I take this very seriously. I take this very seriously with my wife. Um, literally, um, she had bought some pants, and she asked, "Hey, does this uh, does this make my butt look good?" And I legitimately, most husbands would fall out of their chair if they heard this. I said, "No, it doesn't. They don't actually. Um, they don't do that at all. Um, they they don't look good on you." And most husbands would lose their minds. But it's it's a lie to say otherwise. It is a lie. You're not you're not helping anybody by saying otherwise. Okay, talking a lot about standards. Um, you must hold. So what I've done here is I've established my reasoning for why I hold other people to a standard and why I hold myself to to a standard. Um, you know, Jordan Peterson has something like love. Love yourself like somebody who, uh, somebody that you care for. Care for yourself like somebody that you care for. Something like that. I'm not good with with the quotes. Um, I'm a concepts guy, not a quotes guy. Basically, what he's saying here is that he he draws like the pet. Um, Would you make sure your pet has their medicine? You really care about your pet? Would you make sure the pet has has their medicine? Some cases you would. Some cases it's really expensive medicine. In some cases they can just do without it. But if it's like if you were able to go in, uh, your dog had heartworms and they say, hey, you've got to run this for, for six months or your dog is literally going to die in a week. You would make sure that they had their medicine. Don't skip the pills. You would make sure. And his point is there are people that get prescribed medicine all the time that never take it. And it is life or death. This is, this is well proven. Okay. There are people that will jump through hoops. There are people that will, um, crawl over broken glass and pay a hundred dollars a bag to get their dog, the best food in the world. And they are fat (laughs) and they're just fat. Okay. They're not loving themselves. Like they love somebody else. Um, kids for all the talk I had about kids, kids for an excellent example. You have to, you have to have a certain type of love for yourself, um, that you do for your kids. Now, love is, love is sacrificial. And I acknowledge that. Uh, he also touches on that. You have to sacrifice joy for yourself. Uh, now, later it's called, uh, what is it, man? Why can't, um, it's not latent joy that that's that's a synonym, but, uh, Delayed gratitude or delayed satisfaction, something like that. Delayed gratification, that's what it is. Uh, Delayed gratification, I think that's what it is. Um, You are sacrificing. The way that you truly love yourself is by sacrificing. So you're sacrificing for others and you're sacrificing for yourself. You're sacrificing yourself for yourself, okay? Um, You have to love yourself to a certain degree um, the way that you love others. So you can get to this from either point. This, this idea of holding one another to a standard holding yourself to a standard holding your wife to a standard you can get to it from either point okay I hold my my wife to uh, a certain standard because I truly truly I, I love her and I and I don't want somebody to not hold me to that standard and then I hold myself to that standard because I love myself like I love other people okay that was that's really one of the true things that helped me get my life in shape was because everybody kept Everybody was upsetting or everybody kept getting upset uh, at the fact that I would say some of these things and offer unsolicited advice. And to be fair, it wasn't with the most tact. Okay, It wasn't with the most um, tact. A lot of times it was really blunt. I didn't say things the right way. But the most egregious part of that is that I wasn't living the standard that I was claiming to hold. Now, I would make fat jokes, but it wasn't like I would honestly counsel somebody about their nutrition because I had no clue. Didn't really care about that. Okay. Um, I still am hesitant to counsel people on their finances. Um, I'll say whether I think buying a house is a good decision or not, because I've done that. I'll say, you know, um something about how I think it's it's a little bit more important to uh invest your money into something that's going to make money than to something that is going to be, you know, an asset into a liability. That's because I've read that multiple times. It's because I'm trying to do that myself. But I don't just go around like oh man, that's what you're doing with your finances. You know, with my best friends, I'll ask them questions, but um, I'm not just incredibly definitive on finances. And if I'm wrong about that, tell me tell me now. Um, but it's not like I just make a whole lot of comments about people like buying a coffee or something like that. Um, I may give them a little bit of hell just to give them hell, but I don't go around and be like, really, are you gonna spend money on that? Because I'm terrible about it. So uh, anyway, um, but the real egregious part of me giving that unsolicited advice was the fact that I wasn't, doing it I wasn't doing that for myself and and that's what really got me is everybody was everybody was upset and everybody's always been upset with me and everybody will be upset with me for for giving unsolicited advice and I think that's a a part of of broken culture personally Um, I think that's part of the reason that our culture is broken is because we've been taught to to view unsolicited advice as not good Um, but everybody would be upset with me for that and I was like man it just didn't make sense to me I was like do you not want to Do you not want to be better? Like maybe what I have to say isn't, isn't the most correct thing in the world, but you're not even willing to have a discussion about it. You're just upset that I've even said something. It never made sense to me. Like, yes. Did I think I was right more than what I should have? Yes. Was I probably way too arrogant in presenting the advice? Yes. What did I lack tact? Yes. Okay. But still it was like, you're not even willing to like have the conversation sometimes. It's like, I say this and you just don't talk to me because you're so upset that I would have the gall to question your decision. Um, It, it was always insane to me that that, that was, I was like, do you not want to be told the truth? Like, do you not want to be told the truth? I'm telling you what I perceive as the truth. I'm trying to save you from what I perceive is is a heartache. I'm trying to help you out. Not even a heartache, but just um, a, a bad time, whatever it might be. And you really just don't want to hear about that. And then I started thinking about it. Dude, if you're going to love other people like that, why are you not doing it for yourself? Why are you not doing it for yourself? If you're going to try to love other people like that, why are you not holding yourself to that to that own standard and and taking your own advice uh, and making sure that um, you're the best that you can be? And also, maybe, maybe if you've built up this example, um, maybe they'll start, instead of having to unsolicit your advice, maybe they'll start asking you, uh, for that advice. Maybe they'll look to you as a leader and maybe then you can influence them. Um, and that's why I got my life together was that let's love ourselves like we're trying to love other people and then see what happens. So took the long way around, uh, kind of re-explained my whole view on why we have standards in a marriage and and what the point of holding other people to a standard is and holding yourself to a standard. I really kind of didn't want to get into that, but I did. Uh, I say I didn't want to get into that. My subconscious did, I guess, because um, I ranted about it for 30 minutes. Uh, well, no, I had two rants, so they're probably 15 minutes apiece. I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, those are, those are, those are small rants, I guess. Uh, but anyway, I wanted to talk about less of the standards. We've established the standards, and I have no problem giving context because uh, I think it's important. Um, but uh, we've established the reason that you need to have standards, uh, and I, and I think this holds up true i really think it holds up true now, i'm a, I'm a brand new baby theologian i guess um i don't even know if you'd call me a theologian but uh i don't know i don't know what the scholar I'm a, I'm a brand new christian scholar i guess um so i don't know what the biblical backing is um i don't i don't understand it you could probably throw bible verse after bible verse at me you could throw things in there that i've never read and that i've never understand that that say this is why you shouldn't be concerned with the standards of the people around you okay um I still think this is right and true uh and I think it's good because i don't i don't think you should lie to other people. I think not holding other people to some sort of standard uh is is lying to them if you know what's right, true and good uh if you know the best way to live or the right way to live uh and if you see somebody not living that way um and if you think that you have something that can help them to me it's the same way of seeing somebody that 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 truly truly needs a dollar the best thing for them is a dollar. I'm not talking about the homeless people on the street because the best thing for them is an institution. And if you keep giving them money, they won't go find the institution. But I'm saying, if you see somebody that truly what they need right now is a dollar and you don't give it to them, um, maybe maybe you have a fear of that they're going to be offended by your dollar. Um, and some people will. Some people, you offer them money, they will not take it. They're offended by the fact that you think that they even need your money. But what they truly need right now is a dollar. And if you don't give it to them, a lot of people would be like, man, why wouldn't you even try the same way with the standards? So to me, I view it the same way as the standards. And I think that, uh, under, under biblical scrutiny, I think, I think it would stand up because I just think it's not honest. I think if, if you see somebody that needs the truth, it's truly what they need is the truth. And you have the truth, you have that dollar, um, and you refuse to hand it to them in any sort of capacity. I'm not, I'm not saying again, I'm not saying you have to go up to them and say, Hey, uh, hey, you're fat. I'm not saying you have to do that. I'm saying it could be, hey man, have you gone to the gym lately? Hey man, do you want to go? Not even have you gone, do you want to go to the gym? Would you like to go on a walk with me? Okay, offer the truth in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Don't see your brother suffering and not do anything about it. Anyway, brother, your wife. Um, This is a One Flesh podcast. Uh, it, it To me, it hits even harder with your wife. Why? 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 Why would you do that? why would you do that? Um, I, I don't understand it. Why would you see your wife suffering and not do everything you can within your power to keep a good relationship and, and to try to help? I I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Um, I, I, I do understand it. I understand why. I just don't understand how anybody can argue with me when I lay it out like that. I, I just don't. Um, Call me arrogant, but I just don't. Anyway, let's get on to the actual point. Um accountability. Um building a culture of accountability. Like I said, I talk a lot about standards, but holding somebody to that standard and how you hold somebody to that standard uh, is a little bit different than establishing the standard in the first place. It's going to take work to establish that standard. Um to even establish the idea that there should be standards, it's going to take work. Um, especially, you know, if if you're somebody that uh hasn't let's say you know I lived with my wife for seven years, not lived with her for seven years. Um we were dating for set. we've been together for seven years. Um so we've had time to to kind of work that out and not necessarily in a marriage. It was it was a little bit slower to be able to work that out and we didn't exactly know what we were doing. It was a little bit more subtle. Uh and our personalities fit in the way that um she likes to be held to a standard i like to create standards <laughs> so um it kind of worked uh she doesn't always like to be held to a standard especially if that standard is hey we need to change um if that's the standard you know which sounds like an oxymoron but um you can have a standard of of moving on and changing when the time is right um not getting not getting stuck uh making decisions moving forward uh she doesn't exactly enjoy that standard but she understands the need to be held to it uh, so I say that to say that it's not been a breeze. We've had to work on it. Even even with you know our complementary personalities, we've still had to work on the fact that we need to have standards. Um, It's going to take time. And establishing that standard and the reason that you need to have standards is difficult, especially if you're somebody who maybe you've only been dating for two years. Maybe you've only been dating for two years and you just got married. So you've only known this person. So let's say you legitimately, you're married to this person, you've only known this person for 2 years. Uh you're going to have a tougher time establishing those standards as quick as they need to be established. Um th- this is why I think it's better. Um this is why I think you know, we had a little bit easier of a role into marriage because we lived together. That I'm not an advocate of living together. What I think happened was Actually, let me back up. I think we had an easier role in of living together because we had dated for so long and established those standards and we had already kind of established ourselves as an independent unit because we moved away from our families. Um I don't advocate for that. I especially don't advocate for living together before marriage. I don't I think the con, I think the cons outweigh the pros. What I'm saying here is that you're going to have a tougher a tougher road if you're both adults uh and if you haven't if you've only known each other for 2 years or something like that and you're married trying to establish these standards. It's going to be difficult because you've got all these challenges at once. That's really what I'm trying to say is you've got the living together challenges. You've got the married challenges. If you're still around your family, you've got the family challenges. And then you've got to try to, to stack standards on top of that. We were able to kind of knock some of those out uh, very gradually, okay? And again, you might throw this back at me and say, well, this is why it takes a long time, why it needs to take a long time to date. I don't. I don't agree with that. I think that doing all of these things under the confines of marriage, while it may be tougher in the moment, I think that um the 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 possibility of failure by not doing this within the confines of the marriage uh is a lot more difficult. Or the the, the possibility of failure is a lot higher, especially as adults. Um we were teenagers. There's a good chance that if Dion and I met in our twenties that we wouldn't we might not still be together. Um and that kind of hurts to say, maybe I shouldn't say that, but I mean there's a good chance that if we didn't have to do this as children, <laughs> not children, that sounds bad. Um, if we didn't have to do this as teenagers, um, that we wouldn't have had the ability to slowly learn and grow like that, Um, that it would have backfired on us trying to live together. And it would have backfired uh, doing all of those things. Um, We were able to slowly and gradually work through it. And there were still a lot of struggles that probably would have been better if we were married. Anyway, you're going to have a tough time if you're just jumping into a marriage and trying to establish those standards. But what's next, what's after the establishing the need for standards and establishing those standards is holding each other to them. That's the, that's the next, uh, conclusion. Um, maybe not conclusion, but the next step, uh, is having accountability to that standard. Um, once again, I'll say it, it starts with you. Okay. It starts with you. It starts to holding yourself accountable. Uh, it starts with holding yourself accountable. Um, that's where it starts. Uh, what we're talking about is building a culture of accountability. Uh, a lot of people don't—they don't look at it, and I don't know if this is a gift. I don't know if this is a curse. I don't know if everybody does this. Um, but one of the things that a gift that I believe that I have been given—I'll call it a gift because I think it was given to me. Uh, I'll call it a gift because I believe it's a gift. I'm not saying that I'm given some gifts that nobody else can possess. I'm not trying to say it in an arrogant way. I think it's a gift for me is to be able to apply these concepts uh, in different realms of life, in, in other realms of life, I can apply my marriage to business. And sometimes it, people get kind of weirded out. They're like, we're having a business meeting. Why are you talking about your wife? Or, you know, we're doing a leadership summit, uh, you know, for business. Why are you bringing up your wife or, you know, I'll kind of marriage and, or talk about marriage. And I talk about all these business things that, that I have going on. I see the correlation there. Um, I see the correlation heavily. I read leadership strategies and tactics, and he I don't know that he talks about marriage once, he might, Um, but I read that book as a marriage and a friendship book. Didn't talk about marriage or friendship once. (laughs) I mean, he talks about not being friends with your subordinates, um, but didn't talk about marriage or friendship once. Did I read that in a business context? I did, but I read that mostly as a marriage and a friendship book. So one of my gifts and abilities, i believe is to apply these concepts that are seen in other draw parallels notice patterns that's something that i've always been good at uh, i remember they gave us this like gt test gifted and talented test in in school um where like if i remember correctly 90 percent of it was pattern recognition um 90 of it was like pattern can you recognize this pattern or can you replicate this pattern can you complete complete this pattern and i remember being good at that so i see these patterns in business i see these patterns in my marriage I see these patterns in my friendships. I see the solutions. I'm able to uh, take the solution that worked here, modify it, and fit it in my marriage and in my friendships. Uh, I believe I'm able to do that. And one thing that has kind of gotten me lately is the tools for building a culture in a business in in a leadership setting uh, at your business. I I don't exactly have the tools worked out yet, but um, the effects, the the causes and effects of creating a culture in a business correlate directly into your marriage as well. Your marriage has a culture, whether you think about it or not. You know, we talk about company culture. The company I work for, we have a culture committee. Uh, now the culture committee, I won't, well, now I've gotten myself into a hole. Um, I'll say it like this. They they, they focus it more on like culture as you might think about it, as in like everybody has different cultures. And, and well, maybe not. Um, I mean, they do some of that, but not not incredibly it's still like let's go out and have um let's go out and throw axes or let's go out and do this or do that or we're gonna have brunch here and sometimes they try to throw in like culture as you mean it like oh hisp- it's this hispanic heritage month and so our culture committee is going to be focused on the hispanic culture uh when they do that they they wildly miss the point they wildly miss the point can you do some of that yeah sure whatever um, but it's still under the context of building your own unique company culture. That's what culture means in, in business is, hey, how do we create our own company culture with our own set of values um, and, and our own sets of, of mentalities for executing on those values? Uh, what are our values? How do we execute on them? How do we get everybody on the same page for executing those values? Um, it's, it's important. Cultures exist whether you want them to or not. You can have a culture of laziness. You can have a culture of ambition. You can have a culture of discipline. You can have a culture of uh, ideas and creativity. Uh, Preferably, um, you have multiple of the good ones. You can have a culture of lying. Uh, You can have a culture of maybe false accountability. What am I looking for? The people that are willing to throw anybody under a bus at any point in time. Um, You can have a culture like that. Uh, Been in a culture like that. it sucks. It's a, it's a, that's a sucky culture. When you fear that you're going to get thrown under the bus literally any second of any day. Um, ask me how I know. That is an awful culture. Um, I've been at companies that do that. I've been at companies that don't do that. The companies that don't do that had a much better culture. Anyway, um, companies have a culture, whether they like it or not. They can try to ignore it. They can try to say, we just come in and we do our jobs. Uh, if that's the culture, then you have to develop that. But you have a culture, whether you like it or not. And your marriage does as well your marriage has a marriage culture. Now it's just two people, so it's kind of hard to call it a culture. Uh maybe honestly a personality would probably be a better word to to prescribe to it. You know, I think culture describes the personalities of of a collective. So um you know, I think culture kind of describes the the a part of having a culture is the personality types of of the collective. You know, common personality traits of the collective. They're ambitious. Uh, they're diligent. They're disciplined. Um, those kind of things, at, along with, um, how do they display that? Uh, not only those personality traits, but how they display those. Um, but it's the same thing in your marriage. It's almost like your marriage has a personality. We can call it a culture. We can call it a personality. Uh, tomato tomato. I think when it comes into marriage, because I'm I'm playing a little bit off of the one flesh. Um, but your marriage has a culture. Your marriage has a personality, and. Um this is also one of those things that, let me go look at the redacted um culture cast because he had a comment on it was the uh the law of excluded middle I think um the Overton window and its consequences uh choice in the law of the excluded middle yeah if i'm saying this right um i believe the law of excluded middle says that um there is not only yes and no there is also no choice Um, There's also no choice. The law of excluded middle exists. And I I can't get into it. That's Forrest's thing. It's episode 132. So go listen to it. Uh, But the law of excluded middle basically says, whether you think you have a culture or not, um, you do. Or whether you think your culture is culture A or culture B, or whether you refuse, refuse to, maybe the law of excluded middle doesn't apply here. But even if you refuse to assign yourself or your marriage a culture, if you refuse to work on it, there is one. Um, your marriage does have a culture. It's it's descriptive, not prescriptive. The culture is descriptive, not prescriptive. Um, so you have a culture, whether you know it or not, whether you put any effort into your culture or not, your marriage has a culture. What I'm talking about is how do you develop that culture into something positive? And how do you develop that culture into something that um continues and serves the standards that you set in place? Uh, you have to develop a culture that accepts standards and then the next step is developing a culture of accountability uh and that's that's really where i want to focus i know i've spent an, an, an hour getting here uh i hope it's been a beneficial hour but um this culture of accountability uh is something that i was striving for for a long time um something that we were able to i mean we've we've had it for a little bit now but something that kind of came to fruition and something that i'm incredibly proud of you know with myself and and my wife is this this culture of accountability um, to those standards that we've set up. I believe you must set up standards. I believe you must have a culture of accountability that holds to those standards. And when I say a culture, it's not, it's no longer, let me put it this way. It's no longer an expectation. It's, it's like a reality. I don't know if you can make those, uh, make those to a dichotomy, but it's, it's, it's habit. It's no longer expectation. It, you know, we spent time in that little middle space that you have to spend time in to where okay, you need to hold me accountable to this or you need to hold yourself accountable to this. And if you don't, then I'm going to hold you accountable to holding me accountable. You have to do a little bit of that. I mean, you really do. Like Brett, Brett and I, um, you know, Brett Hart and I, and I'll get to the examples with my wife later. I told you I do this all the time. I find examples in other areas and, and apply them. But uh, Brett Hart and I will uh, occasionally will be like, hey man, you, you know, I didn't send you this and you didn't even ask me about it. Is that kind of a lack of ownership? Yeah, but we're, when you're trying to foster a sense <coughs> of accountability, you have to. You know, it's like, hey, man, here's my here's my picture uh, that, I was, that I was supposed to send you of me in the gym, but you didn't ask about it for like three days, man. What's up? You know, like, was it your responsibility to send the picture? Yes, we take ownership. That is our standard. But also, um, you got to hold me accountable. <laughs> like, that's the whole point of us being here. Um, you know, hold them accountable and they hold you accountable. Uh, so we spent some time in that space, but now it's just, it's just natural where we hold each other to accountability and it's not even, and accountability doesn't have to be in the negative. Accountability doesn't have to be DL coming to me and she's saying, did you really, uh, only eat six ounces worth of chicken? Yeah, I did. Oh, really? Well, your scale is still in your bag. That's not accountability. Accountability is her watching me pour my chicken in a bowl and she goes, oh honey, where's your scale? You know, like you've got to have your scale and she runs and goes and gets it for me. She's like, oh, here's your scale. You got to weigh it. Yes. Thank you. That's accountability. Let me do the things that I can do to make sure that you're held accountable to the standard. Um, it's it's almost even real leadership is where you they don't know that they're being held accountable. They think they're being helped. <laughs> and that's exactly what it is. And uh, I want to get to the story because it, it made me really proud and really thankful. But um that's, that's real accountability. Um, real accountability, a a real culture of accountability is holding people accountable where, where they don't even know it, holding people accountable to the standard that they've set. Uh, and they, let me put it this way. They know that they're being helped. Not even that they think they're being helped. They know that they're being helped. Um, you're doing it in a way that's actually helping them. You're helping them stay accountable to their standard. And they know that they're being held accountable when laundry is a good one um laundry laundry is a good one when i when d ellen says that she wants to get this laundry done by this day and i go in there and she's about to miss her standard she's about to not hit her standard and instead of saying hey sometimes there's a time and place to say hey you told me you were going to have this done by this day you need to get it done and then there's a time and place for me going and just doing it and that's a level of accountability because we have the standard in place She knows the standard she's supposed to hit, and she knows that I want her to hit that standard, and so I'm willing to do what I can to help her hit that standard, and that's why I started the laundry. I didn't start the laundry because I was rude. I started the laundry because the standards are important to me, the standards are important to her, uh, and I started it to make sure that she hit her standard. I'm holding her accountable to that standard. I'm not letting the standard slip. I'm simply doing what needs to be done to hold that standard, and she says, oh, yeah, I needed to hold that standard. That's why he had to do the laundry. Thank you for doing that laundry. It's not, how dare you hold me to that standard? You failed before, yada, yada, yada. It's, thank you for holding me to that standard. I needed to be held accountable. Thank you for helping me meet that standard. That is the culture of accountability. And the only way you get that, um, step one is by doing that for yourself. Being ultra accountable to yourself. Doing the things that help yourself be accountable. Um, One thing that I started doing that 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 helps is laying my clothes out in the morning or in the evening for the morning. Okay. People, you, if, if you have trouble getting up early in the morning, maybe you don't have trouble and you're not going to understand this, but it is so much more difficult when the underwear is in the drawer instead of sitting on top of the drawer. I don't know why it just is. I <laughs> I don't know why it just is. Um, maybe it's because you're reinforcing that promise that you're making to yourself the night before. I'm going to get up at 4 30 and I believe in myself so much that I'm going to put my underwear on top of the dresser. This place is going to look a little bit more like a pigsty, uh, because things are not in their proper place for one evening because I'm going to hold my promise. I'm sacrificing the cleanliness of my room to hold my promise. Maybe that's why I don't know. Um, but it's so much easier to get up early in the morning when I have everything staged, all I have to do is grab it walk out the door and get into my truck, sleep deprived and drive. That's, that's all I have to do. Um, that's all I have to do is, uh, is do that. I don't have to gather up my stuff. I don't have to make sure I got my knife, my wallet, my keys, my headphones, my watch, my ring, all of that stuff. I have to put on my workout clothes. I have to tie my shoes and I have to go. That's what I have to do. Uh, sometimes I have to grab the food out of the fridge, but you get what I'm saying. Um, doing everything that you can to prepare it the night before, uh, to hold yourself accountable to that high standard that's step one is doing everything you can. I cannot tell you, and this will this will aid the story that I'm about to tell um I literally have lost count of the times that I have laid down in bed <clears throat> laid down in bed after a long day. I'm talking I got up at four in the morning um laid down in bed it's ten thirty eleven even maybe sometimes and uh could heck could be midnight uh and I have another four thirty alarm in the morning, and this is not to pump my own tires it It really is not as Tyler Geiger of knock performance subtle plug uh he shot his first mule deer by the way, worked hard uh I, it, it's not to pump my own tires uh but I cannot tell you how many times the Ellen has had to watch me go <sighs> get out of bed and go do whatever I needed to do because I didn't do it on 75 hard even not on 75 hard okay how many times I've had to go (sighs) roll back out of the covers okay get uncomfortable and I'm not saying like just sit down in bed and have to get back up I'm saying like lay there I'm saying like talk about our day a little bit um, which I'm not a huge fan of doing but I'm saying like I've been in bed for 20 minutes and then I remember it and I'm not asleep yet and I'm cozy and I'm comfortable and I've just finally relaxed and I go (sighs) and I get up and I go take my progress picture. Um, I have multiple progress pictures to where the light is hurting my eyes because I've been laying in bed for 30 minutes. I am not kidding you. Um, She's had me, she's had to watch me do that multiple times. That is the level of accountable you need to hold yourself before you can build a culture of accountability in your marriage. She needs to see that. She needs to see the fact that I'm holding you accountable because I'm willing to hold myself accountable. This is something that I'm willing to do for myself. I can only imagine that it's the same way for the kids. Only imagine that it's the same way for the kids. You know, I think about um, feeding the horses. Feeding the horses always sucked. Feeding the horses always sucked. Because why? Because it was like a 400-yard walk down in the dark. A lot of times it was cold. Uh, We didn't have lights. It was scary. Um, And I was like 10 years old. Feeding the horses always sucked. But you know um, why I fed the horses a lot? Because I would watch my dad go down there and even when it was dark, even when it was cold, even when it was scary, um, he he went down there and he fed the horses. He held himself accountable to feeding the horses. Now, there may have been some nights that he forgot. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm positive there were because he had to go up there and do it in the morning. Um, the horses, it's called intermittent fasting. They learned how to do it um, occasionally. But there were many times that he held himself to that standard, breaking ice out in the cold. He held himself to that standard to talk about caring for animals. I watched my dad walk a colt horse around for six hours in the middle of the night or something like that. Um, holding to those standards, you have to... And so when it came time for me to do it alone, dad wasn't there, he was traveling for work. Uh, mom was asleep. I was a big 12-year-old boy who lived out in the middle of nowhere. Um, the dark, it wasn't scaring nobody. You know, it got dark at six o'clock, it's cold. Um, but I've got a jacket and the horses need fed and I know how to do it. Um, if I hadn't seen somebody... Hold themselves accountable to that standard, I don't know that I ever would have that is what you have to do in order to build a level a culture of accountability in your marriage and it needs to be on more than one thing okay It can't just be on one thing it needs to be on everything. okay. My wife has watched me do it with my reading, with my progress pictures, with my workouts, with my food um almost everything <laughs> being on time okay it, it's It's almost everything if you want to build that culture. So the story that I've been holding back is uh, last night, we've had this thing where I'm in I'm in a, a kind of a Bible study. It's, it's not a Bible study. It's a men's accountability group um, where you meet as men and you talk about the things that you want to do. Uh, part of that is reading your Bible and, and praying through the Bible and all that stuff. Um, and they ask you, how many days did you do it? Uh, the, the one rule, which I would hope it would be in a men's Christian accountability group is that you can't lie. Um, so how many days did you do it? Uh, how many days did you say you were going to do it? How many days did you do it? Uh, did you do it effectively? What are some other things that you needed to be held accountable to? Um, part of that is reading the Bible and you establish um, you establish how many days you're going to do that. Now, I'm no stranger to discipline, okay? I've been doing it for two years now. I'm not the most disciplined person in the world. I'll never claim that. Um, it, it's it's constant strive for discipline, but I'm no stranger to discipline, okay? there <laughs> I have gone... 105 days doing two workouts a day, tracking my nutrition, and reading 10 pages a day. Okay, I can can do discipline. So when the question came up, there was no question in my mind, I'm going to do it seven days a week. Okay, there is nothing more important than uh, where my soul goes after death. There is nothing more important than holding to what I believe is right and true and good. I hold the truth in such high regard that there's nothing more important than sticking to the truth. Uh, so if I can do all those other things on a daily basis, surely I can read my Bible. Surely I can read my Bible. It's not even 10 pages. You don't even have to commit to 10 pages. There are books that I've read 10 pages a day of for, you know, years now, two years now. Um, I can do the Bible seven days a week. So I said seven days a week. Um, I'm going to do this seven days a week. No ifs, ands, or buts. Um, I'm I would be lying to you if I said that I hadn't failed that. I have failed. <laughs> I I do I failed phase 1 of 75 hard so many times. I'm not saying I don't fail. I'm saying I I set a high standard for myself because I know I can do it. Anyway, uh last night it was a tough day. I've been having this thing go on with my legs where I don't know if I've got some sort of nerve damage or compressed disc or something but um been really discouraged with that. I've really been trying to hit my fitness hard. It was just a tough day. I've got a lot of irons in the fire. I was up literally yesterday from four o'clock to like 10 o'clock when we finally laid down in bed, um, after preparing all that stuff. And it's going to be another night like that. I'm, I've still been talking. This is going to be, it's already an hour long episode. It's probably going to be an hour and 30 minutes and I've still got to post it and make dinner and, uh, um, wow. Yeah. We're going to be in bed until about 10 o'clock again today. Um, I still haven't read my Bible by the way. Uh, but, uh, it was one of those days and I needed to get up at four o'clock in the morning again this morning. It's what I've got to do in order to get my workout length and to do my work and all that stuff. You get it. Yeah, you get it. I, I do a lot. Um, look at me. I'm special, I guess. But, um, she knew that I had to do that well about 30 minutes. And I just, I had just gotten to the point where I was ready to fall asleep. You know, that where you finally close your eyes and you're okay with leaving them shut. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you, you, you settle down and you're about ready for bed and, uh, we listen to, like, music on a timer when we get ready for bed. It, it kind of helps me wind down. Uh, we put it on a timer. We don't, we're we not sociopaths. We don't do it all night. If I forget the timer, it's really awful. Uh, but we put it on a timer for, like, 30 minutes or something like that and fall asleep to, like, some soothing music. I had just gotten to that point. And then, bam, eyes wide open. Uh, forgot to read my Bible. And I went, <sighs> <laughs> and, um, She could tell. And she was like, what would you forget? And she was like Bible, and I was like yes. And she was like, well, number one, th- this is really awesome. Number one, she was like, well, number one, don't sigh so hard about it. Like, what are you doing? Like, that's what you're gonna sigh about, which was really, really funny and really awesome. I mean, to think about it, like that's what you're gonna sigh about is having having to read your Bible. That's that's what you're gonna be upset about. Give me a break. Uh, and the other thing was, she was like, okay, I'll go get it. And I was like, huh? She's like, yeah, I'll go, I'll go grab it. Keep in mind, you she's pregnant. Um, she's perpetually cold. Uh, she's also settled down into the bed. Um, and, uh, the Bible's in the next room. She would have to walk right past like three air conditioner vents, uh, go into the next room to get it. Uh, and she did, she, she legitimately went and got it. And I laid there. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not proud, but also not scared to admit that I laid there in the exact same position and I held my phone flashlight over the Bible and I read it and then we prayed and then the bible i didn't throw it into the floor but i set it down and went to sleep promptly um but that made me really proud that made me very ha- i slept very well after that um because of what we had built um i was very happy with that that made me very very happy um that we had built that level that level of accountability and honestly like this isn't this isn't christian thought or Christian language, but it was just like you know, let, let me put it this way. It should be I should give total thanks to, to God for that. Really, that's what I should do. Um and I and I struggle with this. But it's also the prideful part of me is just like a big C, like big C. This is what happens when you get when you when you when you create standards for all the flack that I get for holding those standards for all the people that tell me i'm stupid for for holding my wife and myself to those standards uh to see that happen and to see her willfully and willingly go do that uh, and hold that level of accountability um and be okay with it uh and to enjoy it i was like see like it, it i felt proven right and i and it made me feel really good like i said all the glory needs to go to somebody else it's it's not me um And I know that. And again, maybe it's something that shouldn't even be said, but it was just like a big, big, I told you so moment of where I felt like what I was doing was, was right. Because we had that culture of accountability. Um, it's yeah. Anyway. So that's my episode for today. I talked way longer than what I thought I was going to, uh, way longer than what I needed to. Honestly, I procrastinated this episode because I didn't really know what to say. Um, been tired, had a headache all day, dealing with my leg thing. Um, but I sat down anyway, uh, because of that culture of accountability. Um, I legitimately thought, (laughs) I legitimately thought before I recorded this episode about how, um, man, I don't even know that anybody listens to your solos anyway. And maybe, maybe nobody does. Um, if you listen to this, you know what? I don't typically ask, and I'm not going to look at the numbers, but if you listen to this, send me something. If you make it to this point, send me something and let me know. Cause I was really discouraged before I sat down here just cause I was like, man, I don't think anybody listens to these anyway. And it was like, really nobody would, you barely even post your solos on Instagram. Um, so, uh, sometimes you do, sometimes you don't, um, nobody would probably even notice if, uh, you didn't post a Wednesday episode. Cause I didn't want to talk about this. Uh, just, it wasn't that I, I'm not passionate about the issue. Obviously I am, but I just didn't feel like it. I did, I couldn't come up with the words. It was very difficult. Uh, the intro to this is always the hardest part. Um, and I did it anyway because I'm accountable to whoever is listening to this. I know there are, I know there are some, um, but I'm accountable to whoever is listening to this. And, uh, and, and that has had that mindset change that I owe to, to other people. Um, I'm just, I just did the work that other people told me to do. I just did the things that other people told me to do. But that mindset has bared so many fruits, not only in myself, in my podcast, in my work, but most of all in my marriage. So how's that for a One Flesh podcast? Um, we're looking at an hour, seven minutes of me talking. Um, I feel like it was a good one. Uh, yeah, tune into the One Flesh podcast on Wednesdays, tune into the Purpose podcast on Sundays, uh, share the show. Uh, if, if you thought this brought value to you, um please share it i say this all the time please give me a five star review i say it jokingly but it's kind of not jokingly um give a five star if you're not going to give a five star if you see that i only have you see that i only have five reviews and you give me a one star review that tanks my reviews and i get it i understand like if you don't like the show that's a real way to kick me in the nuts if you don't like the show. But that's what it is, is a kick in the nuts. And you're more than willing... I, I am so willing to accept feedback on the show and what you like. I'm not always willing to implement it. Some people said, hey, you need shorter episodes when I first started. They were clearly wrong. People clearly liked the longer form episodes. Um, Some people have said this and some people have said that. But I'm willing to, at the very least, hear the hear the feedback. So if you have feedback, if it's not a five-star... Please tell me why I'm begging you. Tell me what I can do to improve it. I don't even care if you think it is a five-star and you just want to see something done differently. Let me know. Let me know what you want to see done differently so that I can actually give you a product that you want to listen to and that you want to share. Um, Maybe I should do a little bit more asking. Uh, I haven't asked other people lately, so maybe I should do more asking. Maybe that's an ownership thing on my part. Uh, But anyway, share the show. If it's not a five-star review, don't even leave a review. Send me something that I can do better uh go share my Instagram. That's that's really where it 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 helps me kind of see it uh and see um see what the show is really doing is is kind of on the Instagram. I don't really watch my follower account my follower account too hard, but I like the interaction. I like getting interaction. Uh and the only way that I can get interaction, the only way that I can serve the the audience is to have more followers, frankly, um, so that I get more views and more people send me questions. Uh, More people send me suggestions, more people interact with the content and share it. So go share the Instagram, even if you, even if you've already followed me, even if you've already shared it, use this time. Here's what, here's what I'll do so that you have no excuse. Uh, We're going to have a, uh, a three second moment of silence. That's not enough time. Uh, Use this time to go back and share the show. We'll have a, a moment of silence so that you can go share the show. Did you share the show? I gave you a moment of silence. You had a moment to do it. Did you share the show? Go share the show. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Uh, tune in to the next one. Tune in One Flesh on Wednesdays, The Purpose, the Sunday series on Sundays, and we'll see y'all later. Thanks.